Hayes. And uh, who should be the first overall pick and more? Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joining the Sports Zone for the uh, first of our weekly discussions for the 2023 season of fantasy football with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. How are you doing, sir? How we, How's it going? Hey, doing great. Great to be back on with you guys. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a signal that football season is here when I get to get to join y'all. So very excited about that. And, you know, think, things are good. No complaints. Uh, you know, got a little week zero college football action in last weekend. We got the first big slate this weekend. So pumped for that. And then, oh boy, the, the main event starts next Thursday. I can't wait. There we go. Okay, well, let's just get right to the drama here. If you have the first pack, uh, first pick, excuse me, of a standard fantasy draft, who are you picking first? And am I correct? It's between Justin Jefferson and Christian McCaffrey. Um, so I, I've seen it uh, be argued for uh, McCaffrey and Jamar Chase as, as the other options beyond Justin Jefferson, but really, it's Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson alone. He, he I know it, it's. It can be a queasy feeling when uh, when you have uh, a consensus number one overall pick like this. We've seen those guys not perform super well. Jonathan Taylor, I feel like, was a consensus number one pick last year. Um, but Jefferson, um, you know, he's in the right part of his prime, uh, the right offense. I know they added a first-round receiver, but he's, he's only going to help matters, I think, for Jefferson, maybe create some space a little bit. So Jefferson – the sheer amount of targets, the amount of times that he's going to catch those targets for big games and touchdowns, it's too much to pass up at one. Generally speaking, how would you describe the 2023 fantasy draft pool of players, including are there some top-heavy positions, and has that changed from recent seasons? Um, so that, that, that is a great question. So uh, the way that it, that it kind of breaks down is that there's really only three um, legitimate first-round running back options, um, you know, whether it's uh, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, B. John Robinson. I, I put Nick Chubb in that discussion, frankly. So it's not as running back heavy at the top as it once was. And I feel like if you wanted to go receiver heavy early, which is becoming a, a more and more uh, popular way of, of building out your roster, um, you can do that with the first two picks in, in your draft. Go ahead Take receiver one, uh, with your first and second picks. Wait till the third round to, to get a running back because I think that there are still some good options available on the board once you get to the third round. But you can wait even longer. I think that there's there's a tier of guys. I, I would say starting with Alexander Madison um, in the fifth round. You have Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, those guys, and Damian Pierce. Also, those guys are all values to where um, I, I think that they are potential top ten running backs. Uh, for fantasy this year, and yet they're they're being drafted in the fifth, sixth round. So uh, with that in mind, I feel like you can really bolster your, your receiving core. If you like Travis Kelsey as a first-round pick, then I, I endorse it. I think that that changes my draft calculus a little bit too much to do that regularly myself because you feel pressured to take Patrick Mahomes with your second pick, and then um, you have quarterback and tight ends uh, so, sewn up, but the rest of the, of the time you're going to be kind of playing catch-up. Um, and then uh, just kind of general tight end commentary. Otherwise, I feel like Kelsey is that, that clear number one, uh, even still. Uh, Mark Andrews, the, the clear number two, in my opinion. And I think that there's a, kind of a tier that almost represents like a trap, like whether it's TJ Hawkinson or George Kittle, um, guys like that, that that go in the fourth, fifth round. 
I think that those guys are, are both at risk of, of having down years that, that um, prevent them from returning that, that uh, draft day investment. So I tend to, if I don't get Andrews or Kelsey, I wait until, um, you know, like the Darren Waller, uh, David Njoku, uh, Pat Fryermuth, and, and uh, Chig Okonkwo uh, type of tier once you get to like the ninth to uh, 12th round. You mentioned Kelsey. Um, if you were going to take him in the first round, how soon would you take him? So uh, I find that, that the sweet spot for Kelsey is either the fifth or sixth pick um, in in your draft. Um, really, it, it, it seems to always come down to a toss-up between him or Cooper Cup. And, and um, you know, I, I definitely understand uh, the, the reasons for taking Cup, but um, he's not exactly a, a spring chicken anymore. And, and we know that the, the Rams are kind of in tatters right now, that they push all their chips to the middle of the table for that 2021 uh, season Super Bowl, and you know what's left is not a particularly good roster. But I, I think that that could help, obviously, uh, drive Cup's uh, target share because they're going to have to throw it a lot more. But even still, um, Travis Kelsey gives you such a positional uh, advantage uh, with him being a tight end and, and getting uh, a workhorse wide receivers uh, type of target volume. So I think Kelsey, right at that five or six. Uh, range in your first round, I think, is, is where to take him. I wouldn't go earlier than that. And if he falls do a little bit, you know, if you're picking ninth and he's still there somehow, uh, I definitely endorse taking him then. The running back pool, it, it seems to be more shallow, as you mentioned, in the recent seasons. Is this just a reflection how, like, the current uh, viewpoint of real-life NFL owners uh, not wanting top-shelf running backs, is that spilling into the fantasy world now? It, it seems to, and it's hard to, to separate what, what exactly um, and, and analyze what, what exactly is driving that, but I think that bottom line, um, work, true workhorse running backs are so much more few and far between what, uh, now that, than it used to be 5, 10, you know, 15 years ago where every team would have their guy that, that would push for 250, 300 carries. There used to be a fantasy discussion about running backs coming off of 300 carry seasons and do you fade yes. them coming off of that. Now we don't have to have that conversation anymore because no one does it, right? Like uh, other than um, Josh Jacobs last year and, and Derrick Henry um, when, when he's staying upright, really there, there, there's not many running backs that, that take on that level of volume anymore. So with the injury risk that, that comes, with running backs relative to wide receivers, it definitely makes sense to, to be a little bit more um, attuned to taking the, the top wide receivers and just hoping that, you know, by, you know, just sheer attrition that, that some of like the, the number two running backs that, that you're drafting a little bit later on uh, in your draft end up taking on starters roles. But I think that there's an art to that. You've got to be able to take guys that, that can scale up into the starters workload and, and some some guys that are getting drafted as like the number two running back don't really fit that bill in my opinion so you got to be careful there okay the colts they might trade jonathan taylor today and what do you do if trailer if excuse me taylor stays in indianapolis and how could that change if he's traded um so i i think that you know taylor's adp has understandably dropped amid this uncertainty um, over the last few weeks, uh, fueled a bit of acrimony between him and, and Jim Ursay. Um, when it comes to Taylor, I think late third round is, is about a fair price for, for him. Uh, if he ends up staying in Indianapolis, you, you worry that he's going to be a little bit um, 
I don't want to say going to be a malcontent or, or not really show up or, or work hard, but, you know, I think there's just some bad vibes coming out of uh, the, the Indianapolis locker room with, with, with him, uh, you know, kind of dividing things. So it's a little bit tricky, but I still think late third is, is a right price for him. If he ends up in, like, Chicago or Miami, um, then I think we start uh, re- reinserting him into that uh, mid to late second round discussion. Talking fantasy football with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Uh, let's go to Nick Chubb. You mentioned him. We both like him. We've talked about him for you know two, three seasons on this show now. Uh, yeah, Cream Hunt's gone from Cleveland, so does Chubb maybe catch more passes this season? And how soon would you draft Chubb? Um, I, I absolutely do think that, that the, the value is going up uh, pretty significantly for Nick Chubb to the point where um, I think that there's a pretty um, – decent chance that he ultimately ends up as the running back one um, for this season. And I think that the pass catching stuff has always been a little bit overstated for him as far as like, oh, well, he, you know, he's not Kareem Hunt, so therefore he must be bad at pass catching. No, he, for his career, he has a good reception percentage. His yards per target for a running back are solid. He can make big plays out in space. I don't think that we're going to see him scale up to being like a 70 catch type of guy, but I think 50 catches on top of about 300 carries is what we're looking at in terms of the volume uh, for Nick Chubb. And and we know that there's going to be explosive per touch numbers along with it. So um, I'm comfortable taking Chubb as high as the the eighth pick um, in in fantasy drafts, especially standard scoring. But, um, you know, PPR, you don't don't really have to be afraid of of Nick Chubb holding up his end of the bargain when it comes to pass catching anymore. What other running backs do you think uh, have you landed most on your fantasy team so far that you've already drafted? Um, So that's that's another great question. I have a lot of J.K. Dobbins. It's been kind of an interesting dance uh, drafting him over over the course of this offseason because uh, during the, the earlier parts of, of training camp, you, you're worried about uh, him potentially being one of those running back holdouts, but um, things have settled back down. It seems like he's going to be ready to rock uh, week one, so I, I do have a lot of him. I, I still believe in Travis Etienne as a fourth-round um, type of target. I, I think that his upside and his talent is, is a little bit understated even still, and I think that people have gotten a little bit too crazy about Tank Bigsby. Um, who I think is fine, but but nothing special. Um, so I, I think that ETN in, in time is going to show that that he is the guy in Jacksonville, and I think that offense really takes another step forward uh, this year. I love Damian Pierce where he's going. I think that he he's one of those guys that that you know may, maybe the team context isn't great, but he is going to get as much work as he can physically handle this year. So and volume is king in fantasy. So I, I really like that element. Uh, to, to his game. I think David Montgomery is interesting um, because I think that Jameer Gibbs is not so interesting for fantasy, especially if you're in a not PPR league. Um, I think Gibbs, all of his production is going to come through you know, short catches. And I, I think when, when you get to money situations like uh, down at the goal line, David Montgomery is going to be the one getting a lot of those looks. And I, I think rookie Zach Charbonnet on a talent basis is right there with Kenneth Walker. Walker's had some injury hit, uh, uh, history already in his NFL career. Um, Zach Charbonnet, I think that, you know, we're, we're already looking at him being a strong RB, RB2 in this offense, but I, I think there's a, a decent chance that, that he kind of overtakes and is that Seattle uh, starting running back 
uh, by the end of this season. So Charbonnet, as a ninth-round guy, I'm a big fan of his as well. Okay, wide receivers. You know, Cooper Cup ended last season with an injury suffered against the Cardinals, uh, and uh, he's already been uh, sidelined some in this preseason-slash-training camp period. Where does he stack up right about now? So he he goes in the middle of the first round still. So his ADP hasn't changed too much. When the initial injury happened um, in, in training camp, uh, he dropped to being around the, like the 10th pick. You would see him go a lot of the time. But things have stabilized a, a decent bit, and now he's going anywhere between 5 and 7 in most drafts. I, I think that there there is understandable risk there when, when it comes to Cup, but I think that the role – the talent, um, the, the connection with, with Stafford is good enough to where it, it's a, it's more of a gamble than you'd like to take with your first-round pick at this stage because of that health um, detail. But, I mean, if, if Cup plays even 15 games this year, I have a hard time thinking that he doesn't return first-round value. All right, so you know, same as the running backs. What wide receivers have you been uh, drafting with frequency? I have a borderline irresponsible amount of Calvin Ridley. Um, I, I, I do a ton oh, I was of that. Ask you about him next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're on the same page. But I, I am so in on Calvin Ridley. I'm so in on Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars offense taking um, a big step forward this year. I thought that you couldn't hold that 2021 season against Lawrence um, last year. I think he really showed, especially in the later part of the season, um, that that he is that guy that that we saw at Clemson and, and someone that, that is going to develop into one of the best quarterbacks in the league and getting Ridley, who's a true, you know, number one boundary type of receiver, um, adding him to the mix and sit and, you know, not just having Christian Kirk be, be that alpha receiver. I think Christian Kirk is very good. Um, and he showed that last year and at, at times in Arizona, but um, I think that the, the number one receiver should offer a little bit more. And I think Ridley does, so I, I think that he's someone that I'm targeting heavily and I'm very much in on. I really like Chris Olave a lot this year, especially in PPR format. Uh, him and Ridley go around the same range. I'm usually taking Ridley, but I have been diversifying a little bit um, with Chris Olave. Um, a little bit later down the, the board, I do have a lot of Jordan Addison, big fan of, of the rookie in Minnesota. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is going to be taking up so much attention from defenses. I think that things open up pretty nicely. Um, for, for Jordan Addison, uh, I love George Pickens. I think that his connection with Kenny Pickett is legit, and I think that Pickens uh, as a talent is in and of himself. I don't think that it's really fully recognized yet just like how good uh, this guy can be and, and how good his, his body control is and ball skills are. Uh, so huge on, on Pickens this year. And uh, Jahan Dotson as well in Washington is someone that I've been getting a lot of. And then a little bit later on um, in your draft, Although the, he might not be going so late anymore with all the injuries in the Denver receiving core, but Marvin Mims, the rookie out of Oklahoma, huge proponent of his. That if yeah. he's available and you're looking for a receiver in like the 12th round, um, look no further. All right, uh, it's the return of our fantasy football segment, our weekly segment with John McKechnie from RotoWire.com. Okay, back to the tight ends. What tight ends would you still be comfortable as your number one tight end? Um, so I think the line is drawn right around Pat Fryermuth. He goes around pick 110. Um, I think that, that that's about the end of the line with with, with uh, where you want to get your first 
um, tight ends. So, so Friar moves to get again. David Njoku is someone that I, that I'm interested in. Um, I really do like Chigo Conquo this year in Tennessee, but I don't feel great about him necessarily as my tight end one. Um, but I think that he he has the potential to end the year as a top twelve. Um, tight end, but you, you want to have a little bit more security um, coming out of your draft um, than that. So um, that, that's where I land with it. Um, I do like Cole Komet a little bit. Um, he goes in that in that Pat Fryer move, David and Joku um, type of tier. I, I like Evan Ingram a decent bit as, as well, and uh, Darren Waller. So all those guys are, are um, you know very solid um, tight end six through eleven type of guys. On the quarterbacks, let's just, one quarterback league. Let's think about that. Kind of those parameters here. Uh, how deep do you wait before you draft your first quarterback? So th- this one's tricky because I, I tend to really hate spending high draft capital on on quarterbacks. So usually I'm not the guy that, that's in the running for Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, Jalen Hurts, or, or even Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson in the fourth round is kind of where I start to, to think about uh, taking a, a quarterback. And my, my favorite range starts with, with Lamar. Um, I think it moves on to uh, Joe Burrow and then Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. I think that the, the, that particular tier is the one that, that is going to win leagues this year. I think that's the, the tier that, that it sets you up the best without having to spend um, a second or third round pick uh, on a you know a, a one off position like like quarterback in fantasy. Um, but beyond that, if, if you're looking a little bit uh, later on, uh, Kirk Cousins, I, I would say it may not be the the flashiest thing in the world, but I, I think the production um, and track record uh, definitely speak for, for themselves. Um, I'm a little bit leery of, of Aaron Rodgers this year. I'm I'm leery of Tua this year. Um, I'm, I'm leery of Jared Goff and Daniel Jones both regressing to, to the forms that, that we were familiar with prior to last season as well. So, so don't wait too long at quarterback. You don't have to go ahead and feel pressured to take those, those top-end guys with, with your first or in the first couple of rounds, but um, be sure that you're not left holding the bag with, with you know, someone like uh, Geno Smith uh, as your quarterback one. Okay, last up here, how do you approach Deshaun Watson? So I, I've taken a, a decent amount of, of uh, Deshaun Watson in, in drafts thus far. Um, I, I value him as like an eighth or ninth round um, type of target. So he, he's, he's definitely in that, in that Tua Tungavailoa um, tier. Anthony Richardson's in there as well. I think, I think that generally speaking – um, I'm an optimist for, for Watson for, for this year. I think what he showed at the end of last year was a, a tainted sample um, in the sense that it had been so long since he's been on an NFL field. He's jumping in um, in week 11 of the season. That's just a, 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 with a new offense, new team entirely. That, that's just so many things to, to make it work that I'm not surprised that he looked a, a, a lot rusty um, down the stretch last year. I think that this year – you have Elijah Moore come come in. Um, you you still have Amari Cooper, who's very solid, and you still have David Njoku, who I, who I think is really ascending as well. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Cedric Tillman, another couple big bodies on the boundary. So I think there's enough weaponry around Deshaun Watson. I think that you know uh, we'll we'll kind of put to bed his his uh, you know tough stretch uh, these last couple of years, and and um, I think that this year. 
um, he is going to look a lot more like the Deshaun Watson that we last saw in Houston. John, great to have you back. We're very happy to have you back, so thanks much, and uh, we'll check back next Tuesday and preview week one. Likewise. Can't wait. Thanks again for having me on.